0: Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy Podcast, your go to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker Jordan Bunch. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy Podcast. This episode is going to conclude our series All About Color. And I am super thrilled for our guest today. We have gone through this interesting journey in this color series. One of the things that I love to do with these series is give you diverse perspectives and to talk about a lot of different things. And so one of the things that I was excited about for for this episode is that it is going to be, I think, so much different from some of of our other focuses, whereas the first episode, we really focused on getting camera right in color. We we touched on that on several other episodes, and I'm sure we'll discuss that today as well. The second episode, we really talked about um, a lot more of the theory and vision behind color grading. And then we talked to Matt Harris, who gave some really incredible tips about getting perfectly accurate colors in camera 100% of the time, which was something I hadn't heard anybody talk about, and then also a lot of his tricks that he uses in DaVinci Resolve to get this really amazingly beautiful classic colors. Today, I wanted to talk to somebody who has a very different look, somebody who has really excellent work, but pushes the boundaries in different ways and has a very different look to his films. So today, I have Henry Martins with me of uh, the Martin Brothers. So, Henry, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Um, I mean, it's really an honor to be on here, especially with uh, the lineup that you guys have had. Uh, talking about color, and um, I mean, I'm just... Uh, hopefully, I have something that's uh, valuable to the listeners. Um, I know that we definitely kind of are pushing a little bit more of the... Uh, um, uh, highly stylized color look. So it's cool that you are implementing that as well into the series. So just thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit to, to the audience. Tell us about what you're up to.
1: Yeah. Um, so my name is Henry Martins, as Jordan mentioned. Um, I am the film side of the Brothers Martins. And uh, we were previous, previously known as Henry Weddings. Um, And that's what the company was for the first uh, three years in business. Um, But in January of 2018, uh, we basically made a brand transition. And that's um, because my brother's been a wedding photographer for many, many years. And um, I only started in film four years ago. Uh, And so uh, we just decided to basically offer photo and video together. um, And so we needed to take our two separate brands and put them as one so it's the brothers martins um and we primarily do destination weddings um i'd say that's the main ones that we feature we're based out of dallas texas um and uh we shoot a lot in austin and uh and what's crazy is we live in dallas but yeah we actually film a lot in austin so um i don't really know i mean nothing too crazy over here we're just um in the middle of editing season right now um, and we're in the middle of uh, accepting fewer and fewer weddings every year which is a way to kind of spend more time in post-production and actually spend a lot more time on color grading because I Mm. am a weird person that color grades while I edit Um, and so yeah I color grade each shot as I go uh, to help keep continuity and um, sometimes it's pretty rare if we mess up shots like where I can't match them, but uh, I, a couple circumstances it's actually um, proven beneficial because I kind of have a really um, nitpicky uh, opinion about what shots can make it based on the way they look uh, with color, unless it's just like a super emotional moment or something. And, um, uh, and I have to use it, but I usually am basing uh, shots that go in films uh, on light quality and, uh, and how well they look with the rest of the film. So mm. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Very cool. I can't wait to dive into that. And I want to, I want to talk about, hear more about kind of your process of, of getting things the way that you want them into camera since you're, since you are so picky in the post. But before we dive into that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're up to, um, just to give our audience kind of a good perspective, overall on, on what you're doing. So you mentioned you're, you're primarily doing destination work, whether it's, you know, just driving the three hours down to Austin or it's traveling around the world. Tell us about a recent fun project that you've been up to.
1: Yeah, I'd say my favorite project this year was actually a surprise elopement in uh, the South of France. Um, really, really cool concept. Um, there's a blogger, um, I, I think I can't, she made it public. I think I can talk about this. Um, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so she made her her, her engagement public. So yeah, I can talk about it. Um, okay, so uh, we fly out to New York City and um, she has um, three bridesmaids. He has three groomsmen. And since she's a blogger, she's used to working with a lot of different brands. So she told her friends that she was going to um, go on a, a surprise joint bachelor-bachelorette trip. The uh, the brand was going to book all their tickets, and they're going to show up at this park, and they're going to announce the location to their friends. So the friends already took time off of work and all that. They show up, and they have no idea where they are going, but that's the whole point of this. So we're here cool. in Bryant Park. Yeah, it's really, really cool concept. Um, and I was like, well, how are you going to like... Um, you know, uh, explain why there's a video crew there. And she's like, oh, I got it covered. They think that you're with the brand. And so really, really cool thing. So we nice. show up and, uh, we're in Bryant park in New York city and, uh, we're filming and they're like, you know, they have everybody in a, kind of a semicircle um and they're like we are uh going to the south of france and then they're like they have like these little signs basically that show the location and then it's like will you uh will you come with us to south of france and will you elope with us and like the friends are just like in (laughs) shock and kind of like ah and they're like we're getting married on monday um, so it was this really cool wow. uh, re- reveal and so then we just filmed all that uh, we actually went over to Beholden in New York City and filmed in there because the bride had like uh, bridesmaid dresses picked out and so they got to go in and shop and drink champagne and kind of all that stuff and then we just scurried over to the airport, we uh, all hopped on a plane and flew over to France and um, and then now we're in Nice, France, which is a really, really cool coastal town uh, on the south side of France, very close to Italy. And um, yeah, and the entire we had a couple days of like uh, them exploring France and walking around with friends and going to different cities. Um, and the really, really cool thing is that um, when we booked this, it was really important to uh, the bride, like the creative side of this, because it's it's one thing for her personal Um, experience, but she's also the CEO of her brand. Um, And so it was really important that the quality of of light for photos and videos was uh, a big deal. So everything about the itinerary on the wedding day was based around the light, um, which is whenever you have like a small group of people, you can be very flexible. And so it was a really cool thing. So we did the ceremony at like 10 o'clock in the morning when the light's still pretty. And then we had, you know, um, uh, some time all day to, you know, go on a boat and and, uh, and and then also take a car, like an old MG convertible, you know, green car out during golden hour, and then go get some beautiful sunset, like bridal party photos and portraits with them. And then they had like an amazing uh, dinner table set for their, uh, their guests. Um, at the Four Seasons. I mean, it's just like this entirely elaborate, perfectly planned out uh, wedding that we just loved shooting and loved working on. And it's the first wedding we ever delivered um, like a long form film. So we've already delivered uh, their 30 minute film, which is like the entire journey from New York City all the way till the end of the wedding day, and it's kind of shot like um, like a vlog. It's a mix up of real time documentary style, as well as some um, you know more compressed events, uh, jumping around a little bit. There's no way I could make it interesting and make it any longer than 30 minutes so 30 minutes was the final uh final uh time on that and it was probably my favorite project of the year because um the couple and all their friends were so uh invested into the creative side and also i got to work with uh eric mcveigh who's a photographer and he was just absolutely amazing to work with like the Mm. entire wedding day i'm not sure if you know him but he shoots film shoots all film all day and um yeah, it was just such a fun experience. Um, his laid-back personality made the uh, whole creative experience like uh, a really big team effort, and it was just a ton of fun. So wow. that was the more elaborate of our destination weddings uh, that they we've are. done, but it was probably my favorite this year.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Wow, what an experience! That's yeah, so
1: cool. I, I know it was. There was a lot of a lot of conversations about you know pre-production because. Um, it, When you have something, you know, a bride, she's, that's the thing about, I feel about bloggers is they have just, uh, just enough ideas to make it a little dangerous. Um, but it's really amazing when they can trust you and trust your vision, um, to, to do what you do. And, uh there's love stories. TV is going to do a, uh, a feature on it. And uh, so they asked me some questions and that was my biggest thing. I was like, you know, the biggest like advice for people who want to book other bloggers weddings: is make sure that they uh, respect your work and respect your vision because they'll have a lot of ideas and some are going to be good and some not so good. So just make sure that uh, you have full creative control to, uh, to do what you want.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's incredible. So uh, yeah, you, we talked a little bit, Uh, in pre-show here about some of the work that you're trying to do in pre-production. Maybe say a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. um, So I was inspired uh, by Alex and Whitney Douglas uh, on the Mm -hmm. pre-production. I feel like they um, have these really amazing storylines. And um, I know that some of what we do um, is predetermined based on a wedding event. Um, right. But they even go as far as to, you know, write scripts for their couples to say at certain times, and um, that's a lot of pre-production. and um, And so I've I've been inspired by them. And so with the France elopement, it was the first time I got to um, really have those types of conversations with the couple. and um, And so we prompted. Uh, a bunch of, uh, conversation points, um, throughout the trip for me to be able to document to where they came across in a very natural way, um, like over dinner and stuff like that. And we really talked about the reveal, um, for the friends, because that's a one take, we have to make sure this is right kind of scenario. Um, and so we like worked on like basically the script of what they were going to say, um, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, honestly it was cool to um see how it played out so the original idea for the film was to start out a very cold open with a bunch of um quick quick uh quick shots with live audio um, of like items being thrown in a bag uh things like packing uh things that you would do when you're packing but Mm. um So we shot all that stuff, but when I started editing, I didn't want to start the film out like that. So uh, I don't know if there'll be a link to this film later, but um, it's, I ended up starting the film off a little bit different, very mysterious, a very cold open. You hear somebody talking in French, there's some GoPro footage um, and you don't really know what's going on. And then it cuts and goes into uh, Hillary having a meeting with her team, going through like a packing checklist and stuff, Uh, and then it goes into these quick cuts Uh, that we filmed that we originally wanted to have at the very opening Um, and then from there uh, just transition into them getting to the park and stuff it was a a very interesting experience for us Um, but the The big thing is that we were filming a little bit documentary style as well as a little bit highlight style. And that's, I feel like, a very hard thing to do because from a highlight perspective, you want to get as many shots as you can. And from a documentary perspective, you don't know what's going to be important. So you just kind of film everything in really long takes. Um, But uh, the pre-production was very crucial to make sure that um, we were rolling, you know, when we had these conversation points coming up to talk about um and uh that's something i am getting i want to get more into in future weddings um we booked a really really awesome wedding in michigan next year and uh mm. for instance i talked to the bride on our first consult call and her grandfather is making all of the furniture um for the oh, ceremony wow. cuz he's a he's a um a woodworker and cool. so I was like, hey, it'd be amazing if you could have him not like leave one chair to make. I'd love to film that. And we can even like interview him and talk about, you know, the story behind, you know, the furniture and why he's doing that. And she just like loved the idea so much and got so excited. Um, So trying to find the uh, the in-between stories for each wedding, because, you know, a lot of weddings, it's the same events. And that's that's great. But sometimes you have these, uh, these different things that you can implement um, to add some depth and dimension. And again, I was really inspired by, inspired by Alex and Whitney Douglas, who I feel like always um, have these amazing uh, storylines and different uh, pre-production ideas that they uh, play out into their film. So um, I definitely am. It's going to be a journey for sure, and I'll probably make a lot of mistakes, Uh, and miss a lot of opportunities, but, uh, I'm excited to implement, uh, those kind of things into our wedding films. That's awesome,
0: dude. Well, I am super excited for you on the new journey that you're on to, you know, explore all these different things that you're going to be able to do through really spending more time on the pre-production. So that sounds pretty amazing.
1: I'm excited. A little nervous, but excited.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, um, Let's get back into the color conversation. Yeah. One of the things that is probably one of the bigger differentiators of your work is what you said here at the beginning of the conversation, that you are really, um, when you, when it comes to the selection of your shots, you're thinking far more about how good your lighting was, how good the color was, as opposed to what was happening in the scene and of course obviously what happens in the scene is a factor there you mentioned that but the fact that you're thinking more about the color and the lighting of the shot when it comes to the edit I find that really interesting so talk to me about how that informs your edit sorry how that I want to hear actually more about how that informs your shooting
1: for sure um David, so David Lee, whenever I say we, uh, we have the Brothers Martins and my brother uh, shoots uh, photos. Um, He does shoot video with me. Actually, he filmed that entire France uh, surprise elopement with me. Um, But generally, David Lee is the guy who shoots with me. Incredibly talented. We've known each other for uh, so many years, I think 10 or 11 years now. Um, And he's been shooting with me since pretty much the beginning. Um, and incredibly valuable, uh, you know, like teammate and asset uh, to the brand. And so because we have so many conversations and uh, our long drives to Austin, um, and we'll just we'll debrief and talk about stuff. So um, how it affects us when shooting, we really like control. Um, I know a lot of filmmakers, a lot of photographers we work with um, are very kind of hands off. Um, and they're kind of like, they may turn off a light or two or something, uh, but we're pretty particular in what uh, we like because we know what we want. And when we, when we walk uh, when we walk into a room, um, we should be able to uh, kind of like assess the the light and the scene, um, and then make the changes that we need. Uh, very often, we're rearranging entire rooms. Uh, very often we're uh, not only turning off lights, uh, it's pretty common, but very often we're actually flagging uh, light fall off with curtains if we can. Um, our clients, uh, when they book with us, we tell them you know, if they're getting ready at a hotel, try to get a room with a lot of natural light. Uh, We're very fortunate that our clients can afford sweets, so a lot of times they'll get like sweets and stuff, and a lot of the sweets kind of have like wraparound windows. seems to be a very common theme, Uh, and so it's not really about getting more light and more light. It's really about uh, shaping your light, and so we try to do that as much as possible, Um, and we're constantly getting in uh, conversations with makeup artists uh, because I love... uh, I feel like a good makeup prep is kinda how we start our day and kinda how we um, uh, kinda get in the flow and stuff. And so uh, right. I, I feel like, uh, again, we prep our clients too and we, and we ask them to do hair before makeup because I like the makeup shots to be like the final touches with her hair all pretty. Uh, and, and then the, I also tell them natural light, natural light, natural light, I have your makeup artist, you're her boss, I'm just some other vendor, have her get you ready by a window
0: um, if possible.
1: Right. And so um, so but our whole thing is we're constantly having conversations with the makeup artist and sometimes they go over smooth. Sometimes they don't. Um, I think a lot of theographers uh, and photographers, especially for photographers, because it's like it's just a couple photos, but they'll say, oh, yeah, we'll just get some fake shots at the end. We'll do that if if necessary. And if that's what the um, the schedule needs. But truthfully, we really love um, being able to get the actual makeup shots, so we can have variety and have a lot to choose from, um, and we can always choose the best of the best shots. Um, So for us, uh, like I said, we're we're we're, uh, closing curtains or opening curtains. Um, We're trying different things, and um, we really know the angles that we want on the bride's face. Uh, Things that we think about as well are even like her hair. Which way does her hair part? Um, And you know, because we want to put her facing that direction. Um so like so we can shoot from the usually the side that the hair is going to and not the side that's pulled back behind her ear or whatever. I think it gives a lot more depth, and so we want that side on the shadow side um so we can get more depth from the shadows and from the hair. Um and so these are kind of the things that we're looking for um when uh setting up a, a room for the quality of light. Um and if we have to do stage shots, we, we can. Um and let me make sure I'm answering your question because it's I mean my answers are always really, really long. Um and uh, like, can you re- can you ask the question one more time so I can make sure that I'm answering because I don't even know if I am.
0: Yeah. So I'm just I'm curious how your uh, sort of your selectiveness with lighting and with color in the edit informs how you shoot because obviously you know we're we're thinking about the got edit it. when we're shooting.
1: Got it. Got so, it. Yeah. 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 Um. So our our favorite type of light. Um is gonna be a, a strong key light um, with some shadow fall off. Uh, and I, I'm not a huge fan of like super flat light, so I do like uh, shadows to be you know on one side of the face as well. Um, you know, backlight isn't always a bad thing. It obviously depends on you know how much uh, fill you have. Um, On their skin tone and also how strong that backlight is. Um, So it's a case-by-case basis But um, one thing that's really changed our our game is like we shoot with the small HD uh, focus monitors and I have um, my Moab LUT loaded on there, which is the LUT that I sell Mm. and so um, we shoot with that and we can get a really great representation of how far um, how far, how, like how the light looks once we, uh, have some highlight muting and contrast and stuff, which is, uh, usually how we color grade. So, um, the, it's pretty easy to tell, uh, when shooting, if it's good light or bad light. Um, there's also, uh, certain photographers that we'll work with, um, that, you know, do like the same light as us. And there's certain photographers that don't like the same light as us. Um, and so I'm not going to, Uh, fight for every single scene uh, to be my ideal lighting lighting situation Um, you know a lot of it a lot of we don't really artificially light anything except for the reception Um, so we're at the you know the mercy of the of the venue um, and also the photographer's you know selection and we'll try to talk with them but there's certain things that um, that we really enjoy and we really feel like we need. So um, like lighting wise. And so one of the things that we started doing to get more consistent results because we kind of analyzed our films and felt like the groom prep was always um, the weakest point Um, And so we started filming the groom prep usually before we go to the bride's place um, and without a photographer so we can maximize uh, that light and that um, drama uh, because I usually like having the groom get ready by himself uh, and a lot of people don't. So Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people like having like other people help him get ready and stuff. Um, So as far as it goes for... um, What we're looking for, we're looking for, um, let's say during prep, we're looking for, you know, uh, like makeup and maybe the groom prep looking for window light, um, maybe like a 45 degree angle, um, towards the window. And hopefully we have some shadow fall off going towards the back of the room or the, or the wall. Um, and we can flag it if we, if there's curtains, if not, you know, we'll shoot with available light. Um, and, uh, those are the types of things that we want to, and those are the types of things where we know, oh, this is going to be a really, you know, great, uh, sequence in the editing because the, the light's so good. Um, there's been some times where we've had bride getting ready, bride getting in the dress is always, I feel like the hardest uh, scene for me to uh, to feel confident about uh, choosing a location because photographers really like, um, most photographers really like a strong backlight during this situation. Um, and it's, you know, that you're lighting two or three people at the same time with natural light. Uh, and so it's, its I find that usually these scenes have a lot of backlight. So it's uh, not always my favorite scenes in the film, but they are basically required to be in the film because it's kind of a, a pinnacle moment um, for a bride and her mom or her maid of honor or something. Um, and so those are the types of things that um, moments over 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 quality of shot, right? Uh, but if we have any right. control, over, uh, you know, if the photographer is cool with whatever we choose, um, there's a actually there's a uh, I love working with my brother um, when he's the photographer, because we usually like the same light. Um, and there's a teaser that we have mm-hmm. out right now called Rania and Andrew. And, um, any other, okay, sorry. Most other photographers we would have worked with in the bride getting ready scenario would have absolutely hated the choice that we, that we picked, but we just put her in front of a big window. (laughs) She was in a huge living room. So it's just amazing, dramatic fall off. Um, but for most photographers, it would have been like, uh, too much fall off and, you know, and not quite as even as they would have liked. Um and so that was one of the things that once we we shot it and I went through and edited the teaser for him and like her her getting ready section was like one of my favorite parts of the day um whenever you have the creative freedom to uh to like choose exactly you know where uh where you can have them get ready um because again heart, like it's it's pretty simple i think if you look at a lot of our films um there's just going to be a strong key light from a window Uh, And we like a more dramatic fall off in the background. I I mean, that's really what we're looking for when shooting. And that's I know that those are going to be like easy shots um, to color grade and uh, and use in the in the film. Um, Yeah. So one of the yeah, I I hope that answers the question. We're just looking for really strong key light and um, amazing fall off is uh, kind of the goal. And, you know. Again, 45 degrees is usually where we want it so that there's some light on the shadow side of their face and it's not complete blackness. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah. no that makes a ton of sense. So when you're because you're going for that that dramatic look from you know from from the key to the fall off in the background, are you doing a lot of work to get that to look in other scenes where you can't accomplish that in camera? Um, or- no. so if,
1: it's, if it's not accomplishable in camera, we don't uh, do anything in post to, to, uh, to achieve that. I feel like it's definitely not, I feel like I've seen some people try that and some people have messaged me about it. Um, and I feel like if you can't get it in camera, then um, then you it's again, because you're at the mercy of, you know, what is your lighting setup in the venue that you're at? Um, and so uh, I don't do any post work to achieve that. Um, that's whenever you just find the next best thing, I feel like. Um, and it's different for every every scenario. But for instance, this this weekend, we shot a wedding and there was uh, two walls of windows. So like an L. Um, And then across the room, very long room, there was still a lot of natural light coming in. So we had backlight. Um, There's no way I could get a dramatic fall off in this uh, scene. It's just not gonna happen because the room has so much natural light. Um, And so anyway, so the the photographer really wanted a, a backlight. Because uh, she shoots film and, and it's really pretty, but we had enough uh, fill light on their skin So we just shot it really bright and airy because that's what the scene was um, And you know the biggest thing with using those uh, LUTs on the monitor is I, I was able to see the exposure um, I feel like with Sony files since they're 8-bit and they're 420 there's like a one-third of a stop difference between like too much and too low and there's like a sweet spot that's like the exact uh, mm-hmm. exposure that makes it easy to uh color grade in post and using the LUTs on the monitor really help us hit that one little spot. I mean obviously you can adjust stuff and fix stuff but we're really adamant about getting it right in camera, as I'm sure everyone who talks about color grading has said the same thing. Um, and so I just find there's like a, like a one-third stop. So if we're going to do backlight, um, I really love the monitor to be able to uh, adjust it to like that perfect uh, stop of light where I'm like, okay, cool. This will look great. So Because with backlight, the thing you want to worry about is if you're too hot, it's going to kind of wrap around their skin, you know, and like yep. kind of make it, make it look Especially all, like
0: the hair... Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Nasty. So you, but you don't want to go super under because then when you bring it up, it's going to be noisy and stuff. So um, having like a, a, a monitor for us really helped us uh, like dial in the exposures.
0: Absolutely. So um, you're shooting with the LUT and the monitor. Is that, I mean, are you shooting in? Uh, are you shooting in a log profile then?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Good, to, good to talk about. So, since, no, we're not. Um, since the beginning of uh, us switching to Sony. Um, we've always shot like if you do a camera reset on your camera that's how we shoot we shoot in standard picture profile um uh sorry standard creative mode picture profile off um like no settings no adjustments no pluses and minuses on anything um just do a full camera reset and that's how we shoot um and that's always how we've shot and it's really funny because uh, people always say, uh, oh man, but like, you know, this, that, and the other, like log dynamic range. Um, and I think that a lot of people can achieve a lot of amazing looks with that. I've seen some amazing things, uh, with 4 profiles, uh, on Sony's, but, um, we've always just, I've always liked the standard rec 709, uh, profile because it allows me to see exactly what it's going to look like in my editor. Um, and so even before we got the monitors, we always shot that. Um, and the monitors just like bring a lot more instant gratification because you can see a little bit of a color grade on there. Um, but we shoot and yeah, it's like standard picture profile off. Um, like I said, no plus or minuses. And that's how we've always shot. Um, and that's why our color, we don't do a lot of color correcting because, Um, we can see exposure properly in camera. We can see white balance properly in camera. So we really just do more color grading than color correcting in post.
0: Yeah, that makes such a huge difference. I think that's when I see a lot of people that will post, you know, like before and afters and that sort of thing, or, you know, they post a screenshot and it's like, help me out a lot of times it's because they weren't even really close in camera, particularly with their white balance.
1: It's so hard. So that's the thing is like, it's so hard. Um, If you look at professional like cinema cameras, they have the ability to not only um, for instance, the FS seven, not only can it have a LUT loaded, but it can shoot at, let's say, 800 ISO, but your screen, because you're supposed to overexpose in log, so let's say you're shooting log on FS7, and you're gonna shoot 800 ISO, you're gonna be two thirds of a stop over, which is what they recommend, but your monitor on your camera can um, show you uh, two thirds of a stop lower, it can show you like a 400 ISO, um, on your screen. So there's always amazing tools on professional cameras, but with, you know, the Sonys, you don't like the a7S series. You don't have that option like in camera to expose properly and then see it on your screen properly or to, you know, white balance. Like that's, that's my whole thing with everyone who's always shot, um, 4 um, that doesn't know like exactly what they're trying to achieve. There's, there's just like no way to properly, um, monitor it Um, to check white balance and exposure and again with those tiny eight bit files it's so hard to to pull them back into the correct uh color space um and that's my that's been my whole thing if you're going to shoot like log and then you're going to spend so much time getting it just to rec 709 to then go through and color grade it why don't you just shoot in rec 709 like and make it easy on yourself Uh, maybe i'm just lazy but it's always worked for us
0: yeah no doubt
1: Um, I don't know. A couple times I've thought about, you know, trying and experimenting with log and stuff. Like when we're in, um, you know, maybe like high dynamic range, uh, maybe scenic scenes, but I've, I've done it and I've tested like just random stuff. I'm not that great at colorings and I don't think a lot of wedding filmmakers are like colorist. A colorist is a very important job and it's not like just slapping like a S log to rec 709, you know, LUT on there and converting it. There's a lot more that goes into it to get proper blacks and proper midtones and the contrast between your highlights and shadows. So um, I don't ever claim to be like an expert on, on that or like a colorist. So I like shooting in a, a picture profile that's going to represent, you know, rec 709 and then I can go through and, and, uh, make all my changes like with contrast and with saturation, um, after that versus having to do all these steps to get it just to rec 709 to get to then, to then go through and color grade.
0: Hmm. Yep.
1: I'm simple, man. I, that's all I got on that one. Just like it makes the most sense to be able to monitor accurately and and then shoot. Like it's yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. And the, okay, so I mean, if we really want to dive into it, um, a picture profile and I, you know, Aaron uh, Thorpey or Thorpe. I really don't know how he pronounces his last name. Um, <laughs> we we dove into it one day and it was like uh, if you shoot in like a cine four then. Picture profile what it's really doing is storing your data in a different location So like a custom cinephore that they use they have most control over like exposure and stuff in their mid-tones In the picture profile that we shoot which is off um, It's most of our control is in the highlight channel. That's where we get most of our um, our our, like exposure changes Um, and so that's like It just depends, I guess, on how you color grade. We've shot in picture profile off for so long, and I know the Sony files so well, I feel confident to manipulate and play with them accordingly. Um, uh, And there was, you know... But if you... Okay, here's the interesting thing. Um, A Rec. 709, and this is going a little bit... I don't know who's watching this, or if they, if you look at an IRE scale, you know, 100 is white, completely blown out, um, and zero is black, no detail. Um, When you shoot a picture profile off... Um, obviously, on your screen, since you're you know, delivering an REC 709, everything above 100 on an IRE scale is blown out and there's no detail. Well, what's so interesting is when you pull up um, you know, an ungraded RAW file from a Sony A7S or A73 or whatever, um, and you look at a picture profile off IRE scale, um, and you have some bright highlights, they actually don't clip until 108 in picture profile off. So you have that huh. 8% to pull back on the highlights in that picture profile um and so it's a when you look at it like that it's i'm like okay cool so i have plenty of like dynamic range to be able to pull back some highlight information um and it's always been i mean i always really enjoy working with those files more so than other files right. that i've used uh, or other picture profiles like when i tried log and stuff
0: yeah well i know that'll be super helpful for our sony listeners so nice hot tip yeah yeah <laughs> Very cool. So um, I'm curious then, tell me about the workflow from, you know, you've, you've shot with the LUT and camera, um, but that's not actually recording that way. No, that's just you're, just, you're just monitoring that way. So yeah. let's talk a little bit more about, you know, you've got the footage and you're beginning to work with it. You said something that I haven't heard from anyone. I think Probably most people, the color grading is like one of the last things that they do. Yeah. You're doing it, you're doing it as you go. So talk to me about that.
1: Cool. Yeah. So I use Final Cut X to uh, edit, and um, you know all the footage is imported and stuff. Uh, when I'm going through and editing, um, I really like to color grade as I edit each scene. Um, David and I, we've invested a lot of money over the years into you know um, the same cameras. The same, uh, you know, lens line if, if the lens is, you know, in the line. So we use all Zeiss glass and that's a huge thing for us uh, to achieve our look. I've seen other people shoot, uh, you know, picture profile off and stuff and they'll use Sigma and they say it doesn't look the exact same. I mean, people don't um, this is not answering your question. This is a little side note, but people don't realize how important the lens is for achieving, you know, right. looks. Um, I mean, it's massive. Um, like on the GH series, the Lumix, I love the way the Voigtlanders look on there. I mean, there's just like, there's something mm-hmm. about it. It's just a beautiful lens. Um, and so with, with the Sonys, I really feel like the Zeiss uh, really shines through uh, with the Sony files, uh, with their color science and then Zeiss's, you know, algorithms for their contrast and micro contrast. Um, and so we use Milvis line and we use the Battis line and we use um, the, like uh, the Sony and Zeiss combo, like the 35 uh, F1.4. Um, And so anyways, having these consistent lenses really makes a big difference uh, when color correcting and color grading. Um, And so all of our camera shots match up very, very close. Um, The only difference is, is if we're using, David has a lens that's the 85 G Master and it has a pretty green shift to it as well as raised shadows. Um, So I'll, I'll go through and color, so let's say I finish, um, or let's say I start editing a, a makeup scene. I'll go through and um, one of the really important things for me is to uh, the reason I like to color grade during the edit is because I want to figure out like how contrasty is this film going to be Um, because based on lighting conditions in the room um, sometimes that fall off can be too much right Um, where it just Mm -hmm. looks unnatural maybe maybe there's a lot of highlights coming in so the blacks are really crushed Uh, and so I'll actually need to establish the look for that. Uh, scene pretty early, which is going to be m- pretty muted highlights to, to make sure that those aren't being blown out when you add contrast and also maybe raise shadows. And then um, I'll just I find that um, I find that it like almost inspires me a little bit more when editing, um, when I can see uh, like a really cool color graded scene. Um, it's almost like because I think color does play a huge role into way uh, into the way a film feels. And so, I mean, editing, story is story, right? Um, But like if you can um, evoke an emotion out of like the way something feels, like you can take a shot and you're like, oh, this is a nice shot. And then you apply a really nice color grade on top of it. It makes it feel something like different than when it's just straight out of camera. And you're like, oh man, okay. Like going from that shot to this shot, how does it flow? Um, you know, and so, I don't know, color grading, it's, it's, with Final Cut X, it's really, uh, an easy process to color grade as I edit. Um, I definitely think it slows me down in the editing phase for sure, but at the same time, um, it allows our films to be very consistent shot to shot. Um, and also something that's interesting about it too, is it allows me to transition. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, I don't really talk about this. No one's ever really asked me, but, um, It allows me to transition color grades. Uh, A lot of times what I'll do in the beginning of films is I'll start off with a much more desaturated uh, look and then uh, gradually over the course of the edit go towards a more vibrant uh, saturation levels towards the end of the film, which I feel like gives it more life. Um, It's kind of like the same trick as people who uh, uh, maybe like edit the volume at like negative six uh, early on in the film, and then, you know, build that volume up towards the climax. Mm. So I kind of do the same thing, uh, transitioning with like color palettes as well. Um, And so anyways, yeah, so that's, um, color grading as I go I've just always done it that way because I feel like it inspires me when I edit and I feel like um, you know I can watch shot by shot and make sure that those shots are going to match up um, because I, I really think that we have a, um, a consistency level um, that we're really proud of in our films um, when watching them there's not going to be like a shot where you're like Oh, like is that a different camera? Or like, oh, is that like a different lens? Or why is that? Why are those shadows green? You know, um, if there are transitions, it's going to be gradual over the course of you know uh, time. So, um, I don't yep. know if these if these answers are even answering your questions, man. I'm sorry, all my no, answers this is, are so long and stuff. Um, but that's okay, that's no, my, we that's are like, we are
0: like we are like jumping around, but I love it. Like everything from. Everything from lens selection, which I I agree is huge, like you know, on all our high end stuff, it's we use uh you know we use the Leica primes for everything, yeah, hell yeah, just, be- just because it gives that consistent look. Um, because yeah, it's all about. I mean, people, you point to all the other things of uh of a lens, you know, primarily people are just looking at focal length at you know what the f-stop is maybe sort of how people review its sharpness yeah um, or or its bokeh quality but it's not often talked about the color of a lens but that's huge to me and it's part of the reason why again on on more of our our high-end stuff i don't even consider using any other lenses because it's gotta have the same color look to it. So I'm just, I'm all about the like of colors. It does. You and you know, the f-
1: and the mic, so like micro contrast is a huge deal. Um, whenever like you're shooting a scene, because if one, like for instance, that G master handles the micro contrast because it's a, it's a full Sony lens. It is, you know, micro, it's micro contrast. So like whenever I'm color grading, like the way that, um, that the Zeiss Milvis line handles like the gradient between highlights and midtones is really different from the way that that G master handles it. Um, and so it's just like fine. And like those things are hard to kind of tweak out in post. So I, I think shooting on the same line of lenses is like a great investment. Um, you know, even if you have like three lenses or two or even like one 24 to 70 or whatever, I mean, I just think that shooting the same lenses really brings up the uh, like the aesthetic or the overall quality. You know, I think that when brides are shopping for films, you know, and they're watching so many different films, it's not always like one thing that like, oh my God, these guys, they do this one thing better than everybody else. A lot of times it's about a lot of small things that you do that build value in your brand. Um, And, you know, for us, mm-hmm. I would definitely say uh, early on in the career and even today, I think that there's so many like so many editors that are so much better at story and so much better at, you know, even cinematography and like all sorts of stuff. But I feel like our color grade has definitely played an influential role into the minor success that we've had. Um, We have so many brides comment on, Um, on or sorry send in inquiries and say we love your colors you know and that's that's i think Mm -hmm. how important a color grade is on a film Um, there's also brides that you know because matt harris has a very beautiful classic look and i've actually lost a wedding to him because um, they said we love his like skin pop and like his his classic traditional colors. We love them. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. But that's how important a color right. grade can be on a film is it builds value and it builds, you know, your brand's look. So that's my opinion on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh one of the things that you mentioned is in terms of kind of going back to the idea of color grading as you go. Yeah. Is that inspiration that you find. You know, and for me, I always, you know when I when I get to the place where I'm just sort of like bogged down in the edit, I've gotta throw music on it. Totally. If I don't have Even if it's not the music I'm going to necessarily end up using, I've got to have something there that can sort of give me that inspiration. So I love it for you that it's color. Um, So... Yeah, maybe say something more about that of how that yeah, helps look, you define the inspiration yeah, to kind sure. of keep no, moving forward. A
1: hundred percent. Sometimes I'll get because um, like you know, you whenever you get like a creative, uh, like a creative like a little tick, and you get like a little idea. You know, usually you'll run through like that scene's idea and see how it feels. Um, I was editing a film last week, and same thing. I edited, I think maybe like two minutes. I think I edited all the way through the ceremony. Um, like I edited the entire ceremony scene, and I was like, I like, I think this is good. How did like? You know, but I'd watch back the entire film and I'd get to the ceremony. The ceremony's uncolor graded. And I was like, okay, I think it's good enough. Let me see how it feels. And so then I went through and I color graded it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it transitions so much better. I mean, um, at any point when you're bogged down, I think, I think finding like – because even it's like a different um, it's like a different uh, creative thing to do like editing is like telling a story and stuff so maybe you just hit like kind of like a wall creatively on editing uh, that scene and you're like okay like I need to do something else and it's I love like I don't like to color grade every film the exact same I like to tweak with stuff you know based on the light from the location and then even the color palette of their wedding and stuff and so um, I think it's uh, I think it's like a a fun thing to take a break give yourself a mental break from you know editing and like finding music and all that stuff. If you want to go through and color a scene and maybe work on finding some new looks uh, for that wedding. And so I like creatively can definitely inspire you. The music thing is a huge deal. So but you can also take a break and, you know, do color grading uh, on that scene and see if it like enhances the scene to make it feel more cohesive um and push you through yeah. onto you know maybe the next part of your film i tend to edit very linearly so every time i talk about something like i'm like oh i edit like you know the ceremony in its entirety i'm a terrible non-linear editor that jumps around i always want to do that but i tried and failed miserably so um i always talk about stuff and you know the full scenes but uh i think that if you uh do hit any sort of yeah like a tiredness or even just um you know Maybe you're getting bored with that part of the film. Uh, Maybe go through and apply some color and see if it inspires you at all to tell the story differently or even use different shot sequences um, or anything like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think it's really interesting you saying that you're um, oftentimes – looking at sort of different ways of thinking about how you color a film. I was actually just talking about this with one of my editors yesterday because we were editing a recent wedding and um, <laughs> the my my northern friends are going to laugh at us but we were, you know, it was it was a cold day for us, right? It was like 50 degrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which is freezing cold for Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. Um, but we we're editing one of these weddings and uh, I noticed that their white balance was a little cooler than I would normally prefer it. But but as we were kind of looking at it through um, through kind of the lens of what we would call, you know, kind of fall, winter palette, uh, color palettes and things that, that the bride and groom had chosen for their wedding, it almost sort of worked just because, um, you know, we, we had those cooler winter tones to the wedding. Yeah. And so we're kind of kind of just running with it. Where normally we tend towards um, maybe airing just a hair on the warmer side, um, we kind of went with a little bit of a cooler look for that. So maybe say something more about how different things about a wedding day might inform how you would make um, how you would make your color grade, grade slightly different.
1: Yeah. So I think that uh, in all of our color grades, the biggest thing that we're focused on is going to be relative skin tone. Um, so what I mean by that mm. is uh, accurate skin tone, like Matt Harris has accurate skin tone. His skin tone looks like skin tone. looks amazing. Um, and, right. you know, so, but I think that whenever you're dealing with stylized grades, I think it's really important to pay attention to your skin tone in relativity to your scene. Um, mm. I think that, I mean, if you go in and look at like, okay, I don't want to compare the wedding film industry to like Hollywood because everyone does it, you know, sure. I don't know, but like, yes, Hollywood has some dramatic, uh, dramatic color grades, but you know, those are being looked at and assessed by so many people before it's officially approved that that's going to be the, the look of that scene and stuff. Um, and you know, all of us wedding filmmakers are pretty run and gun self, you know, like one or two people or whatever. Um, so my whole thing is like when color grading, uh, and you know, stylized color grading, um, It's really important that if you go, like, you can go cooler, but make sure that your skin tones are going to be relative to, you know, the scene. I was talking to someone else uh, this couple weeks ago, um, and I was like, yeah, dude, like, these portraits look amazing, but these next sequence of portraits look really cool. He was like, yeah, it's like a later time in the day. And I was like, I mean, okay, I get that, but, like, you don't have to have like blue highlights all over their face and, and have, um, mm. to, 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 emphasize a, a, a cooler part of that, like a later part of the day in the shade. Um, so I, cause I don't know. I think that, um, I think that bad skin tone is bad skin tone. Um, right. and that's like a bold statement to make. I think that you can make your image look like cooler, for instance, um if uh without having bad skin tone um and what is bad skin tone i mean anybody this is like it's such a subjective matter you know because somebody will bring up the fact oh have you seen this film this guy's skin tone is like like for instance interstellar that guy has orange skin tone they'd maximize teal orange um but like yes stylized is stylized i don't know i think that uh i'm rambling i'm trying to figure out how to answer this without like stepping on toes or whatever but like um
0: i just speak freely yeah i
1: know i know it's it's so it's just such like a source subject for some people but
0: um well i think that's that's why we we have a diversity of opinions on the podcast yeah. you know this is not a place this is not a place where people have to sort of walk on eggshells because we want to hear the opinions of different filmmakers and so yeah i want to hear your your unedited version of of your opinion here
1: cool so i think that skin tones um pretty much always are going to be you know in the red magentas reds oranges and yellow like categories i don't think that skin tones really should ever be like blue, um, like right. I've never seen an accurate. And so instead, what you can do, like you can um, like desaturate, you know, surroundings. Um, you can cool down the whole image, but still, you know, isolate their skin tone and make them, you know, appropriate color to the scene. That's that's my whole thing yep. is like um, just because like your scene has to be cool doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that uh, your you know skin tone has to be cool as well. And that's like always my big thing is just making sure that like people aren't blue and in the, I, I'll go back and watch some of my own films and be like, Oh my God, those highlights on their skin are so blue. Like, and not knowing it back then, but now I know how to fix that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, right. so I don't, I don't know. I, I tend to, and I'll be super real. I tend to always stick to more of a warmer palette. Um, I mean, that's just me for sure. Um, warmer palette, right. sometimes even pretty limited on like the whole color space of what's shown. Cause it's sometimes really stylized. Um, but recently I've had a, hate, a hate for blue recently. Um, I realized, mm. uh, it's kind of a funny place I'm at right now. I've color graded some new films and, uh, and I've just been really messing with the blue channel a lot. Um, And we'll see what happens when those come out. People may have some funny opinions, but, um, yeah, (laughs) we'll see what happens. Um, but overall, like throughout a wedding day, uh, from start of the film to end of the film, um, it's going to have a consistent look, but it can transition like the overall feeling, but I just, I would just hate for, um, somebody be watching one of our films and ever be taken out of the film by a, a drastic change in temperature or a white balance you know mm. um there are like cuz there are uh, I've heard people talk about um like when they're in let's say a room that's like candlelit or like those incandescent bulbs I mean you're not going to get like white whites in there because then the skin will look horrible so there's definitely um what's that called it's called uh, like um Uh, not ambient lighting, but uh, basically you're going to have like some pretty warm skin tones in there. But even in those situations, um, I tend to go on like uh, a more appropriate uh, white balance. Like, I've seen a lot of people for some reason, Canon shooters. I'm gonna call them out on that. They'll go into a room with like 2500, like white balance, maybe even 2500, like B4 on a matrix hue. Like, really, they should really cool it down. They'll shoot it like 3500, and their skin tones are like real red and like everything's super orange in the background. Mm. I still like separation basically uh, between like right. uh, the skin tones and the room uh, and the room tone. If that's my personal opinion, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. I think. Maybe that's maybe that's another way of looking at it. Is I like separation um, from my subjects to like the background, um, and uh, I, I accomplish a lot of that by contrast as well. We I would say we definitely have a pretty contrasty image mm. um, to our color right. grade as well as uh, the colors, which is part of color grading. So when
0: you're when you're doing that in post, are you using? masks or other tools in final cut or... sometimes
1: yeah. yeah um sometimes yeah. i will use uh it obviously depends on the lighting scenario um but sometimes i will um like do like a gradient mask around the couple um to make them pop a little bit more more with uh like highlights and i'll darken the background um not to right. where it looks like a vignette but just a super gradient just ever so subtle those things make a difference um, and then sometimes um you know you get them in really good lighting i think that nailing stuff in camera is really what it's all about and i know everyone says that um when it comes to color grading uh but yeah if, if you can get them in more of a strong key light situation um then they'll they'll be separated from your background no matter no matter what just instant instantly um mm. but i find that a lot of my gimbal shots a lot of my wide angle shots i do a lot of uh masking with uh really really wide gradient um like darkening the outsides. It really makes the couple stand out more. Um, There's definitely a line in the sand. Don't go too far, but I think it's a pretty nice way to make a big impact um, on bringing that the, your subject more like into the camera versus the background. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, not being able, it's weird not being able to show you guys all this stuff. When I do workshops with people, I just like, you know, I'm like this is what you can do right here, you know, draw the circular mask. You see the difference before after. after. Um, so podcasts are a little different on that, just talking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, we're definitely obviously talking a little bit more theory here than we could do if we were doing a video or in person, no doubt. Um, but I think this has been a super helpful conversation. Yeah, uh, I mean, hopefully speaking something of- comes out of it. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of workshops, you also mentioned you had a LUT for sale. If our listeners wanted to find out more about that sort of thing, where would they go?
1: Cool. It's just uh,
0: ProLUTs.com.
1: Uh, super simple. So yeah, ProLutz.com and there's uh, links on there for workshops and uh, luts and stuff like that. Working on another LUT pack, it'll be out in February um, and it's going to be uh, pretty sweet. Some of the stuff we've been using recently, um, it's just such a process to convert it all into luts and stuff. So, um, but the new pack will be out in February.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Uh, I remember a while back, actually, there was some conversation about that domain name. Uh, so you didn't end up going, you didn't end up going with pros Lutz, right? There was no, no,
1: not pros Lutz. Uh, that, I mean, there's, there's that, there's or pros, pros Lutz, Lutz pros Lutz house. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so many amazing, I love the, uh, cheekiness and the, uh, Uh, humor of people in the industry because we're all sitting behind our computers all day you know like we love like getting to uh, hop on the social media and have a a fun place to talk about stuff so i commend you on uh building that uh facebook group that's been a a really non uh shitty place to go on the internet it's been a lot of fun very informative (laughs) also a lot of fun Uh, everyone keeps it nice and clean in there so it's an awesome job
0: yeah no doubt no doubt well i appreciate that um well Is there any, are there any workshops coming up soon?
1: Uh, so all the workshops are one-on-one workshops. They're individual. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Perfect. So I just find those work out really the best for me, uh, just to be able to figure out the needs of those individuals. Um, and it could be business talk, it could be color grading, it could be editing, it could be shooting, it could be gear. Um, and there's different ones. There's like a one-hour workshop. There's like a you know four or five-hour workshop. Um, just depends on you know what you guys what they need. Um, but you know I think the the thing I just appreciate you have me on the podcast. I feel I mean really out of place here because. Everyone else that's been on is just like, no, I mean, it's just, you know, we just do what we do and, you know, just try to make cool films. But I feel like, uh, you know, it's just it's hard to talk about all this stuff because I'm self-taught. And so I'm just kind of like, well, this is what I do. And I don't know if it's the right way or the wrong way with a lot of this stuff. Um, and I just, uh, glad to be here and hopefully somebody can watch this and feel good about it and, uh, maybe learn something or try something new. Um, you know, my biggest advice is go Sony, bro. Just switch to Sony and Zeiss and you'll be all good.
0: <laughs> well, I couldn't disagree with you more. So uh... <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Uh, but I do love having, you know, that was one of the things I tried to do, especially with this series is because there's always so much conversation, when it comes to brand loyalty about color. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to be as, as unbiased as I possibly could. So I had to have a Sony guy here. We had our Canon guy. (laughs) We had, uh, of course we had, uh, myself and, uh, and Nick talking about, was it just me and Nick? I think it may have been just me and Nick talking about Lumix and what we do. And then we also had, uh, the, the biggest brand hopper I've ever known, Julio, who uh, who has shot with Olympus, Panasonic, Sony, Canon, Fuji. I think he shot with basically like everything under the sun, other than Nikon.
1: Nikon, so, man, they're uh, just not not in the video game, dude. It's so funny. It's just like way yeah. really too late. You know, I don't want to derail the conversation, but I'm I'm strongly considering making the switch to the uh, Fuji XT three. Just because I already have a Ninja V, so I could get some amazing 10 mm-hmm. bit uh, files out of there with a speed booster I can be back up to my full frame. Um, I'm really 4k60, that's what I'm really excited about. So we'll see, but uh, there's a I'm gonna start playing with it um, at a wedding I have coming up just because I've been dying for 4K60 for so long. That's not in micro four yeah. format. Like I'm just dying, mm-hmm. and I want it so bad, and because uh, you know when you film in these amazing locations, you want to be able to really capture. I mean, 4K, you shoot in 4K. I mean, it's it's so different. You know, it's like it's like yep. night and day difference on just the clarity and just everything about it. So uh, there's a there's a small chance I might be making the switch soon. <laughs> we'll
0: see. Yeah. Well, you. Uh, yeah, I know. I've been enjoying the the fruits of 4K 60P for a couple <sighs> of years now. So I know, uh, son of a bitch. well Well, soon enough uh soon enough you'll be able to get to see that in a panasonic camera here at the beginning of 2019 so i know that'll be in a in a a full frame did they they change the color science on
1: that one do you know
0: to the on the s1 yeah uh i i don't know about the color science on it yet no i i have found the the leap from the GH4 to the GH5 with the color science was just a huge leap forward. Um, and then, and then what they did with the GH5S was even better. So, uh, it's, it's definitely exciting on that side of things because I'm certainly a color nerd. So, um, I'm excited to see the ways that they have made some awesome leaps forward and all that.
1: Yeah, Lumix is pushing the game. I appreciate Lumix for having making all the other people consider and I mean that's that's the big thing is like what well, even though I don't shoot Lumix, I appreciate what they're doing. They're like the more legitimate black magic. Um, the most legitimate yeah. black magic because um, they're really like they're giving customers what they want, they're listening to what they what people want. I cannot believe they're coming out the 4K full frame, that's insane. Maybe I actually will hold off on the Fuji until after I get my hands on the S1, just so I can play with it and play with the files. Um, cause you know, it's not, I mean, obviously it's about like, uh, functionality and all that stuff and you know, how you like using the camera. But for me at the end of the day, whenever I'm color grading and editing, um, like having like colors that I, that I personally like in camera, um, and just applying a very quick color grid over top of them is really important. And so, uh, whatever camera can get me there and give me 4k 60 at the same time, I'm going to be all over it.
0: No doubt. No nice. doubt. Well, thanks for taking so much of your time to come on the show today. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners will as well. So this has been excellent.
1: No, Jordan, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And if anybody has any questions about anything, just let me know. And um, yeah, really, uh, really just thanks for taking the time to have me on. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Sounds great. All right, man. Take care. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe on Patreon so you never miss a show. And when you're done, head on over to the Wedding Film Academy Facebook group to chat with other wedding filmmakers like yourself. Until next time, keep making movie magic.